God bless you. It's so good to be back again with you today. Thank you so much for coming. We realize it's not always possible to travel to a service somewhere and to fellowship with the other people there, so we bring the service to you, wherever you are. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you discover God's peace and His promises for your life. Would you open in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11? We've been in the book of Hebrews, and now we're all the way up to chapter 11. That's where we're going to be today, and we'll also put those verses up here in the video for you, just to make it easier for you to follow along. I'd like to talk to you today about the promised city. You know, in the Bible, in the book of John, in chapter 6, many of the people recognized that Jesus had been sent by God. They knew that God had to be with him because they were seeing the wonderful miracles that were being done through him. So some of these people came up to Jesus one time and they asked him a very important question. They asked him, what shall we do that we may do or that we may work the works of God? It's a question we all ask ourselves from time to time. But Jesus, interestingly enough, answered them this way. He said, this is the work of God, that you believe in Him whom God sent. You see, what God really wants you to do is to believe Him. To believe His own testimony of His Son, Jesus Christ. He said, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And you know that verse, that's in the book of John, chapter 3, verse 16. Now, around the world, though, there are billions of people that think that they have to do various kinds of work and hard things to earn God's favor. But God simply wants you to trust in Him. That's what we're studying and finding out as we go through the Scriptures. He wants you to trust in Him, to believe Him in life. And that's what God said of Abraham in Genesis 15, verse 6. I said, a better sheep. And it said, and Abraham believed God, and that was accounted to him as righteousness. That's it. Simply believe. That's what God wants from you, to have faith in Him, to trust in His love, His goodness, to trust in His mercy and His provision for you. In fact, God has indicated throughout the Scriptures that the thing that really pleases Him is simply trusting in Him, having faith in Him. Now in Hebrew, the word leha amin means to believe in or to trust in and to rely on. It means all those things, to rely upon. In Hebrew, a male believer in Yeshua would be called a ma'amin and a female believer in Yeshua would be called a ma'amina. And that's taken from that word leha amin, which means to believe, as we said. So in other words, those who belong to the Lord are the ones who believe in Him, trust in Him, and rely on Him. He wants you, in other words, He wants you to have faith in Him. And this faith in God is what our scripture today is talking about. Let's read it together. It says in Hebrews 11, verse 1 through 16, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, 
so that the things which are seen were not made by things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, his brother, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. And through it, he being dead still speaks. Verse 5 continues, By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he didn't see death and was not found because God had taken him. That's what Genesis said. For before he was taken, Enoch had this testimony that he pleased God. Verse 6 is very important. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. Verse 8, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not even knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Yaakov, Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah, Sarah herself, also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Verse 12, Therefore from one man, and him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars in the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is on the seashore. These all died in faith, verse 13 says, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they were seeking a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind the country which they had come out of, they would have had an opportunity to return. But now they desired a better place, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. These are amazing verses that we're reading, and you've probably heard of Hebrews chapter 11. It's called the faith chapter. Some people call it the hall of faith. In other words, kind of like the hall of fame for baseball or football players or soccer players and things like that. But this would be the hall of faith for people who were famous for trusting God. You know, the interesting thing is, though, is these were normal people just like you and I. They were special in the Bible. And God talked about them. But the thing that made them special is that they believed God. But if you look at who these people were, they had problems just like you and I do. They had sins in their life. Oh, Abraham himself, who is called the father of our faith, the father of the Jewish people. 
He was the man who said twice to two different kings that Sarah, his wife, was really his sister. And he said that so that they wouldn't kill him to get to her. But it almost cost her uh, uh, this great sin that this king was going to do. This king brought her and was going to put her into his harem and make her his wife. All because Abraham, the father of our faith, lied to the king and called Sarah his sister instead of his wife. He didn't tell him the truth. What I'm saying is, is Abraham was a normal person, just like you. Have you sinned? Have you had problems? Well, it doesn't mean that God can't use you, you see, because Abraham also had problems. And all these other people, Jacob was a deceiver. He had lied. He claimed to be his brother Esau to his father Isaac. He just flat out lied to him. And yet, God blessed him with the promise that we're talking about today. What I'm saying is, is God is perfect, but He can use people who are not perfect. So if you're not perfect, which is all of us, that's good news for you and I, because it means that God can use us too. Now, we'll stop there at verse 16 for today, and we'll cover the rest of Hebrews chapter 11 next week. But for now, let's talk a little bit about what these verses today mean for your life. The first thing that we see in this is it's describing what faith is. He's trying to show us what faith is by explaining how these people trust God for the various things that they trusted Him for. It shows how they had faith in God and God did not disappoint them. God didn't let them down. God cared for them and God came through doing amazing miracles, amazing wonders, simply because these ordinary people like you and I believed God. So our first point is we need to understand what faith is. Well, what does it mean, faith? Well, we see in the first verse of our chapter today that faith is the evidence of things not seen. So I would say to you that if you're planning to go out on that missions trip or you're going out and you're going to trust the Lord and you're telling your friends that it's a journey of faith, that you're going to go out trusting the Lord, but you're going to wait to see how much money you can get your friends to help you out with before you go, then that's not faith. Because faith says it's the evidence of things not seen. So if you've got that money and you're holding it in your hand, you're waiting to see how you're going to do all of this, that's not faith, is it? But if you didn't have that money in your hand, and you don't know how you're going to go on that mission trip, on that trip or something, or how you're going to start that congregation, you don't know how it's going to work out. But instead of sitting there paralyzed in your place where you live, you decide to take that first step in faith, not seeing what God is going to do. And it says faith is the evidence of things not seen. How do you make that faith happen? You ask God for it, you pray about it, you wait, you pray about it some more, you wait a little more, and then you take that step out. Because He says that lean not unto your own understanding, God will direct your steps. Remember that verse that we talked about over the last few weeks? That if you trust in the Lord, 
He will direct your steps. He'll guide you in the way that you should go. Don't lean to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him and He'll direct your steps. That's His promise to you. It doesn't mean that you have to hear this big booming voice from heaven before you go. If God's putting it on your heart, pray about it. Think about it a little while. Ask God that if this is from Him, that He would make it happen. That He would let you know that this is really from Him. Pray about it and then wait some time. Wait a little bit of time, not a real long time. Wait a week or two. Then pray again. And then wait a little longer. And then, after you've waited on the Lord and you prayed about it, do what that verse in Proverbs says. Commit your way to the Lord. In all your ways acknowledge Him. Don't lean to your own understanding and watch as He will direct your steps. It's His promise for you. You see, you're not waiting to see the answers because you don't need to know what's going to happen. All you need to know is who it is that's going to make it happen. And your Heavenly Father is the one who's going to do that. So faith is the evidence of things not seen. It means you're trusting in God to do things that you don't know how they're going to happen. You're trusting in Him. You don't have to have all the answers before you go. You don't have to call. You don't have to have what we call in engineering analysis paralysis. That you're going to stay there until you figure out how all of these things are going to work out. How you're going to have the money. What you're going to do for transportation. Who your friends are going to be. Where you're going to live. What you're going to eat. And all these things. You could sit there forever trying to get all the answers that you want. But let's just be honest. When you're trying to get all those answers, you're really not trusting God. You're trusting yourself. And if you have all the answers, you feel like you have a way to do everything yourself. But when you don't see the answers, and you take that step forward anyway, that is a step of faith. You're trusting in God to do the things that you can't see. And faith is the evidence of things not seen, as we said. Don't demand to see those answers before you step out in faith. That's what I'm saying. Then the other thing to remember about faith is that God knows the best timing. You may want Him to answer this prayer tomorrow or today. And God may know that the best time for Him to answer that prayer is two weeks from now or a month or even a year from now. But if you know that God loves you and you know that He's watching out for you, why don't you trust His timing in these things as well? God's timing is not your timing. That's what I'm saying. His last minute is not your last minute. I think many of you have already noticed that in life. You may think the answer should have already come, but God has the perfect timing. He knows when the perfect timing is to glorify His name and He knows the best timing to bless you when it will bless you the most and the best. So God has His own timing. Trust Him for that. Not only have faith in Him to do things, but have faith in Him to do it at the right time. And then remember that sometimes God will answer you in unexpected ways. He may not do exactly what you ask Him to do, but He may answer your prayer in a totally different way that you didn't expect. 
In fact, He may answer your prayer in a way that you didn't even see it happen when He did answer it. And then sometime later, you go, well, I wonder what happened to that problem because I prayed for this and God never gave me that. But you look over here and that problem you were praying about somehow got fixed. Somehow God took care of it. But He took care of it in a different way than you asked for Him to. That's okay, isn't it? I mean, as long as He fixes the problem, as long as He answers the prayer, does it really matter that He did exactly what you asked Him to do? Was it okay that He answered your prayer in a different way? Of course it is. He knows what's best for us. He'll do that in a different way than you were asking for. He does this because He knows better than you do what is best for you. And now remember that sometimes the answer to your prayer might even be no. You say, oh, wait, you mean I can pray to God for something and He'll tell me no? <laughs> well, of course, you're just a little child. God loves you too much to give you something that would hurt you instead of help you. But you're not wise. You don't know the future. You don't have mature wisdom and God is all-knowing. He's not going to give you something that's going to hurt you. He'll say no on those times. He's not like a vending machine that you simply go up and you put your card in or you put your money in and you press the button for what you want. That's not how God works. God is the thinking, loving Heavenly Father, the all-knowing Heavenly Father. And He'll only give you what is best for you. He loves you too much to give you something that's bad for you. He's watching over you and protecting you and caring for you in His unfailing love, always. And you're just that little child compared to God. In the book of Isaiah, God says, My ways are higher than your ways. As the heavens are above the earth, in other words, His thoughts and His ways are far beyond your own understanding, far higher than your own imagination. So stop putting your trust in what you know. It's not important what you know. What's important is who you know. And there's two things you need to remember in order to have true peace in life. I'm saying this again. Two things you must remember in order to have real peace in life. One is that God is all-powerful. He's all-powerful. And two is that He loves you greatly. And He's proven His love for you on the cross of Calvary. When you think about those two things, obviously you can have peace in life. You know that God is all-powerful. If He wants to bless you, nothing can stop Him from blessing you. And then two, you know that He loves you greatly and He's proven that on the cross of Calvary. So He wants to bless you. So He's all-powerful and He wants to bless you and love you and care for you. What else do you need to know going through life? God is there with you, and He is all you need. When you understand those two things, you can rest and enjoy peace and purpose in life. Then the last point I'd like to make with you today is that little verse that they use, that phrase at the end of the chapter, or at the end of the verses that we read, talking about the city that God's prepared for you. The city of God. The forever home of those who believe in God. And finally, in the last verse of our scripture today, 
Verse 16 says, Instead they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. Now that's interesting. He talks about a country and he talks about a city. And you're probably thinking, well, that's a little confusing. Which one is it? Is it a country that he's got for us or is it a city? You have to understand that back in those days that cities had walls around them and they had a king over that city and that city many times was its own country. I think we have one of those now today, a very big city called Singapore, which is its own country as well. But back in those days, it was common for a king and his kingdom to be within the walls, within the confines of that city. And that was his land. That was the land of their country. So the word city and country back then, referring to those things back then, was really talking about the same thing. And so when it says that God's calling you to a country and He's prepared a city for the believers in His Son, Jesus Christ, He's talking about He's prepared a place for the believers. He's talking about He's prepared a wonderful, beautiful place for you in the everlasting kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And so He's prepared a city for you. And one day, as we read in the book of Revelation, He's going to lower that city down to earth and it will be magnificent, greater than anything you can imagine. Very, very, very high. Very, very wide. Very, very long. Not like cities that you're used to on this earth. But this will be magnificent. The materials used will just be splendid. An unimaginably beautiful city. A place where His people can dwell forever and he will dwell with them and he will be the light of that city it says in the book of revelation it's an amazing thing that he's talking about in prophecy here that god prepared a city for his children and you and i are looking forward to the day when that city will be revealed and god will take us in and take care of all of our needs wipe away every tear, heal every hurt. That city is going to be a wonderful place. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1 says that God has prepared for us an eternal house in heaven, not made with human hands. We're talking about the same thing. It's a place not made with human hands. Now this is true even among earthly houses, that every house that's designed and built reflects the heart and the desires and the craftsmanship of its designer, its owner. It's amazing that we're going to see God's handiwork in this city. It's not going to be made by human hands. It's going to be made by the hands of the one who made the universe, the one who spoke heaven and earth into existence. So here's a question. How majestic is heaven and earth? All those hundreds of billions of galaxies, each containing hundreds of billions of stars, hundreds of billions of light years away. How can we see those things? 
They're so far away and we still don't know the end of it. And we've, we've seen up to almost 13 billion light years away. How long is a light year? Well, let's put it like this, just real quick, a little bit of science. Light travels at 186,000 miles every second. Every second. Just like that, it's gone. It's 186,000 miles away. The next second, another 186,000 miles. And when it's traveled a full year of seconds, going 186,000 miles away with each new second, when it's traveled a full year of seconds, that's called a light year. And we've already seen things 13 billion light years away. And we still haven't found the end of it all. 13 billion light years. How many seconds in a year? Light traveling at 186,000 miles every second and then multiply that times 13 billion light years? Oh my goodness. How can you even keep track of the zeros in a number that large? That's the glory of God. That's the place He made before in the book of Genesis. Basefer Bereshit, Barashon, in the first of the book of Genesis. So, this place that God's building for you and for me, for His children, all who believe on His Son, Jesus Christ, as Messiah and Lord, I can tell you right now, it's going to be far greater than anything you could ever imagine. Not by human hands, he said. It's not made with hands, as we read in that verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Not made with human hands. Now think about that. It's made by the Holy Spirit. It's made by God Himself, not by the work of human hands. That's a theme you'll notice in a lot of places in the Bible. God's not interested in your works. He's interested that you believe in Him, that you have faith in Him, that you trust in Him. And then just like He said about Abraham in Genesis 15, 6, and Abraham believed God, and that was counted to him as righteousness. Not because Abraham worked with his hands to do things for God. Not because Abraham uh, bowed down so many times a day and pointed toward Jerusalem. Or, nothing like that. Not works. Not the works of his hands. But it simply said that Abraham believed God. And that was counted to him as righteousness. Now that verse right there in Genesis 15, 6 should show you and I the things that God likes, the things that God wants from us, the things that God expects from us. And like we said in the verse earlier, without faith, it's impossible to please God. But we also see from Genesis 15, 6, and, Gen and all of Hebrews chapter 11 that we're reading starting today, that all these people pleased God because they believed Him because they had faith in Him. It had nothing to do with their works. That's what I'm saying. It was all by His Spirit. And then it also says that these people that we read about today, they were sojourners. You know what a sojourner is? It's a, it's a person who's just passing through. 
It's a person that's just going through a country, doesn't really have a home there, but it's just traveling through. He doesn't really ask anything of anybody. He knows that God's going to take care of him. He's just passing through. And we are sojourners in this place. You say, well, what do you mean? Here's what I'm talking about. In these bodies, we live in the first phase of our life. The first phase of our life is the physical phase of our life. It's where we live in a fleshly body with all these things and parts that grow old and sometimes hurt and sometimes you fall and you have to put a bandage on there to make it stop hurting and stop bleeding. <laughs> but this is the first phase of life. And this phase, this physical phase of life, doesn't last very long. Only a few years. Only a few years. What do you say? Maybe, oh, well, 70, 80, maybe 100, maybe. <laughs> There's a few people that live to be that long. You know, maybe I'll live to be 100. But what are all of those years? 70, 80, 100 years. What is that compared to eternity? Because eternity is the second phase of our life. Eternity is the everlasting phase of life. That's the one where we're living in a glorified body, a spiritual body that doesn't have these pains and hurts and limitations that this one has. But this glorified body will be living forever. Everlasting life in the forever kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven with our forever high priest, Jesus the Messiah, as we've talked about over the last few weeks. And we'll see that forever tabernacle in the forever kingdom of heaven where Jesus, the forever high priest, entered into that forever tabernacle and made the atonement through His blood once and for all time so that our sins would be forever forgiven according to the promise of God's new covenant in Jeremiah 31, where he said he would make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that he made with their fathers when he led them out of the hand of Egypt, but this is the covenant that he would make. He would put his laws in our hearts. He would write his laws on our minds. And all of our sins, this is the part I want you to remember, and all of our sins, all of our shortcomings, all those things we've done wrong, he says, I will never remember again. So in the forever kingdom of heaven, because of what Jesus the forever high priest did in that forever tab tabernacle, the true tabernacle in the forever kingdom of heaven, because of what he did in the atonement that he made, our sins are forgiven forever. And so we just view this world that we're in right now it's just a place that we're just walking around in. Oh yeah, we have a mission here. We have a journey and a calling to complete that God has given us. But we're like ambassadors. An ambassador is a person who is sent from a country to another country. He's a person who was sent by a king or by a ruler from one place to another nation of which he is not a citizen. And he's sent to bring the messages of the king of the country that he came from. Well, you and I 
are citizens of heaven now. Those who accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Messiah, our Savior, we are now God's children through faith, through believing on Jesus Christ, the one that God sent. And because we're children of God, God has sent us into this world as ambassadors of His. We're messengers sent to carry the messages of the one who sent us, of God. Now remember that there's more to life than these few years on earth. So right now, as we walk through the earth, remember that you're here temporary and that there is an everlasting phase in life after this. These few years on earth are going to quickly pass. Even in your own heart, you sense that you're more than just some other animal. You have a high purpose for being here. You have thoughts in your heart and your mind that no other animal has. You have noble and high callings that God's given you. The book of Genesis explains it. It says that God made you in His image. That means that you were created not only as a physical body, but that you have an eternal spirit because He's eternal spirit. In other words, you were created to live forever. There's far more to your life than these few years in this physical body, that's for sure. And the everlasting phase of your life is the part that you really need to be thinking about now. Instead of being worried about what kind of car you're going to drive, what kind of clothes you're going to get, how to cut your hair, what you're going to do about this or that, or this person said this about you, how you're going to get even with them. Instead of thinking about all those petty things, keep your eyes on heaven. Keep your eyes on the kingdom of God. You're not a citizen of the world. You're a citizen of the kingdom of God if you believe on His Son, Jesus Christ. And He is making for you an amazing heavenly city in which you will dwell in forever and ever. Things that you cannot even imagine yet. And He will keep you amazed throughout eternity. It's so wonderful. Here's what I'm saying. Even though you have a few years on this earth, you were designed to live forever. You were created to be in that forever kingdom of heaven with your heavenly Father. You're a messenger from His kingdom. And how you show that you belong to God in this temporary life on earth is to believe in Him, have faith in Him, to trust Him, to believe on the one Jesus whom He sent. And this is the message that God has given you to share with others. This is the life-saving message that God has given you, His ambassador, to carry to others. That everlasting life comes from believing in His Son, Jesus the Messiah, as Lord. It would certainly be a tragedy if you forgot who you are as an ambassador. You forgot why you're here and you started living only this temporary life as if that's all you had and you don't share that life-saving message with others. It would be so terrible, so sad if you forgot about the message God had given you to bring to others in darkness. That you could give it to them and they would have light to chase that darkness away and they'd be given everlasting life in His, in his Son, Jesus Christ. If only you would know who you are and carry that message to them. So as we see in our scripture today, He's written you to tell you that He's preparing a beautiful, 
eternal city, a city not made with hands, in which He will dwell with you and forever love and care for you. He wants to be with you forever. He treasures you and He wants to care for you and show you the wonders of His creation forever because you're His child. You are His. Notice also in the scripture today that it says that this new forever city that God will make will not be made with hands. He's going to do it. You don't have to work, worry about your works being part of it. He's not going to kick you out of it because your works weren't up to par or something, you know. He's, he's going to let you in it because you believe on His Son. Like Jesus said, this is the work of God, that you believe on Him whom God sent. In the beginning of creation, God spoke heaven and earth into existence. He didn't need help from anyone else. He made all things alone. All that exists were made by Him. And His word alone was what was used to create all that exists. In the same way that God created everything that is, He doesn't need your help in making this new forever city. And He doesn't need your help in making your forever life. That life, that everlasting life, is His gift to you for believing on His Son, Jesus Christ. That forever city that we read about earlier, like it said, it's a city made without hands. It's not made by man, but by God alone. And God doesn't need your works to do His will in your life. It says in the Tanakh that our works are like filthy rags. Our efforts, we try to do the best we can, but we fail and God is perfect. He is holy. He is righteous. Even on our best days, we still fail. And God can't let us in with those failures and sins. Let God take care of it Himself. Why not let God build the beautiful life He has planned for you in your heart? Just take your hands off of life and give it all to Him. He'll speak it all into a beautiful existence and He'll lead you into the wonderful journey that He's designed just for you. No matter what your sins have been in your life, no matter what your past is like, God can take it and turn it into something beautiful. No matter what kind of messes you've made, God can take all those messes and He can turn them into miracles. The Word of God says that He spoke it all into existence. He created the heavens and the earth from nothing at all. He can take your nothing and turn it into something beautiful. You may think that you have nothing, but you just give that nothing to Him. And watch what the creator of the universe does with your life. He'll turn it into something beautiful, something amazing, something so wonderful that it goes beyond all imagination, far beyond even the best plans you could ever imagine for yourself. And God does all of this for you when you put your life in His hands, when you have faith in God, when you trust Him with life, and put your eyes on the horizon. He'll use you and do amazing things with your life, things that you couldn't even imagine before. You'll be waiting eagerly for His return and for the time when He'll take you to that beautiful city 
that He's designed, made for you. A dwelling in which there'll never be any more pain at all. No more suffering. A place where He will wipe away all your tears and show you His amazing wonders throughout eternity when He will carry you to that beautiful place, to that promised city. Why don't you give your life to Him right now? If you call out to Him, He'll hear that cry and He'll answer you. He'll rescue you from that darkness that you're in and He'll shine His light on your heart and you'll be given newness of life. He's promised this. He'll change you into a new person. He'll throw away all that bad history that you have. You'll be completely new, given a new start. And He'll give you everlasting life in the forever kingdom, His kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. And that's guaranteed by God Himself. I want to give you an opportunity today to believe in Yeshua, Jesus, as the Mashiach, as the Messiah and Lord. And to receive God's peace in your life, you can be saved and given everlasting life in heaven by simply believing that God sent His one and only Son into the world to save us from judgment. You can pray something simple like this. Just pray, God, I do want to know you and have real peace in life. I believe on your Son, Jesus Christ, as Lord. Please forgive all my sins. I give my life to you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, God heard you. And He's already started working in your life. Over time, you're going to notice changes that He's been making. A seed's been planted deep down in your heart. You'll see the wonderful things that He's doing in your heart as time goes by. Get in a good Bible-based church. Learn about Him in His Word every day. And talk to Him every day in prayer. He's going to do amazing things in your life.